Hi everyone, Ness Hughes here with you for this week's Daily Devotionals. We'll be looking this week at the book of Esther. And I'm just going to begin by reading the opening paragraph and then we'll stop and have a look at the context. So let me read now from Esther chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Let's read. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. Well, what we see in this opening paragraph is a setting of the scene. Esther, the book of Esther, is set in the Persian Empire during the reign of King Xerxes from about 485 to 464 BC. And he governs over a huge area all the way from India to Kush. This is um, the context of the book. Well, some of the background um, that might be helpful for you as we read this book includes um, where it sits in the Bible's big narrative. So this happens after the building of the Second Temple, which um, happened in 516 BC. That's when it was um, dedicated. Um, but before many of the Jews returned to Jerusalem. So that situates at about halfway through the book of Ezra. This is about 60 or so years after the exile. And I know that you all together, as part of the Growing Disciples blog, recently read through the book of Daniel. That was about two weeks ago. And the book of Daniel traces the exile of God's people and the era of the Babylonian Empire. The book of Daniel ends with the downfall of the Babylonians, but we see the rise of the Persian Empire. And with that came the reign of Cyrus, who established this huge Persian Empire. It was the biggest that the world had ever seen. Well, many Israelites, however, remained living in Babylon, uh, in the area of exile, um, despite being allowed to, under Cyrus, return to Jerusalem, they, um, this is a generation past the time of the exile and they'd established lives in these new areas and many of them chose to remain. Now it's helpful to remember um, that one of the main themes of the book of Daniel is that God's rule is over all people, not just the people of God, but also he rules over the pagan kings, the foreign empires. Everything sits under the rule of God. And we saw in the Daniel narrative that God worked through Nebuchadnezzar to achieve his purposes. And then as we see the growth and the success of this huge Persian empire, that whole background still remains. This question, will God be faithful to his people? Does God rule even when his people are scattered? Will his purposes to bring his people back under his rule and to bless all the nations actually be achieved? This is the backdrop still to the book of Esther. Uniquely though, and this is important to note as we um, enter into this, the rest of this chapter, God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. This is a deliberate, dramatic and powerful choice in the narrative. Is God still God? 
His possible absence in reality is echoed in his absence in the book. But the plot is filled with twists and turns, full of irony and reversal, and the plot leaves the reader with no doubt that someone is behind all that is happening. And that someone, the book um, helps us to conclude, is most certainly God. God's people in this story of Esther face complete annihilation, but the events are directed for their protection. The events are timely and carefully orchestrated and it results in the good of God's people. And so this is the basic plot. It's the story of a woman, Esther, and her role in the deliverance of the Jews from the murderous plot of Haman in the Persian Empire under the rule of King Xerxes. All of these characters you'll get to know as we read through this week. I highly recommend to you actually that you set aside some time throughout the week, even possibly today, to read or listen to the book of Esther in one sitting. It's a great listen over audio Bible. You just go into Bible Gateway and hit the audio button and it'll read the whole book to you. It's only 10 chapters, um, but it's useful to hear it in its entirety because it reads like a modern day drama. It's sort of character rich and the events just keep going one after the other, incidents trickle one after another, all linked. And it's written like a really, really good story. It's, there are moments that are even funny. The big picture is clear. God continues to work in history for the good of his people. But alongside the big picture, the story narrows in on just a few central characters. And so what we see is that God is both across the whole world, but also intimately involved in the lives of each person, working through individuals to bring about justice, to display his own gentleness and his wisdom, but to overall show that he's faithful and working through his people according to the big picture of his purposes. So with that big setup, let me continue to read now from chapter one. I'm going to read the whole rest of chapter one, so follow along with me um, with the script on your screen. From, chapter, from verse four, chapter one. For a full 180 days, he, that's King Xerxes, displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendour and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed gardens of the king's palace for all the people, from the least to the greatest, who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material, to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, B. 
Pizza, Habona, Bigtha, Abagatha, Zethar, and Carcass to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger, since it was customary for the king to consult experts in such matters of law and justice. He spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. Kashena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Masina, and Memucan, the seven nobles of Persia and Media, who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom. According to the law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She's not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs had taken to her. Then Memucan replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the province of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to come before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal, her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then the king's edict is proclaimed, then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his household using his native tongue. Well, that's a lot to read through together, but hopefully you get a sense of the narrative and how the plot develops um, in this story. We see King Xerxes as a lavish, indulgent but impressionable king. His power, his control and his pride are clearly highlighted here. In chapter 1, it's the offence that Queen Vashti causes him as he's embarrassed when she refuses to follow his command that drives the plot. The limitations and the folly of human leadership are introduced in this chapter because despite his power and influence, his kingdom is obviously established on the leadership of a fickle man, which his leadership which turns on the basis of his impulsive reactions and the advice of just a few trusted men. So this is a deliberate introduction to the events yet to unfold. Not only is human leadership under God's rule, not only can God work through pagan empires for his purpose, but human pagan rule is contrasted to God's good rule 
his good purposes, his justice, his faithfulness. And we're going to pick up on that again tomorrow. So I look forward to seeing you again for day two. See you then.